Sometimes when you speak after a set like that, you don't actually want to speak. I think the words of the song, songs that we sing, are words that we need to hold on to. And one of my favorite names for God is Emmanuel, God with us. And it's great to sing that as a family to God. And that next phrase where it talks about, you know, I see the love in God's eyes. You know, the picture it paints of who God is, that's the picture we need to hang on to as we live our lives each day. That God is a God that is for us. God is a God that is with us. That God is a God who loves loving us. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. And to be able to remind us, each, us and each other, that truth as we sing a song. Because that's, that's how we can live Jesus. It's the only way we can live Jesus. To know that we are loved. And that at the end of the day, nothing can change that. Nothing we've done wrong, and nothing we've done right. That infinite love loves infinitely. And that's how God approaches us, interacts with us, and continually sees us through the eyes of love. Let's pray again. God, we come into this time desiring to hear from you, to be met here by you, as I believe we already have through the songs and through one another's, as we have said hello. And now we ask that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have for us in these words that will be spoken over the next several minutes. Give us something that we can hold on to, something that can fortify us, something that can strengthen us, that we might live more fully and freely in harmony with who you've created and called us to be. We ask all this in, through, and by the name of Jesus. Amen. A couple months ago, Andy asked me to speak today, and I said, no. No, I'm trying to finish a book, and um, that's about when it's all going to come together. So, no. But thanks for asking. So, I'll be speaking again in January, because, well, what about January? Which is very smart. If you say no, then you sort of have to say yes the next time. So, I was like, all right. So, I was going to do slides today. Oh, I can do slides on that day. And then I got a call, maybe the end of last week, saying, hey, could you speak on the 15th? It's like, wait a second, I already said no to that. Um, but I knew that if he's asking me again, something happened. And so, I mean, it's interesting, this, this, the topic is sort of family today. And that's what family does. Okay, in a pinch, I'll help out. And so what Andy asked somebody else who was a little older than Andy, and then they jumped a couple age groups, and then got to my age group. And so here I am today, um, speaking about how Jesus, and we're looking at Luke 4, 5, 6, and 7, um, another big passage that Andy's given me. So we're going to look at all those chapters, but with the, through the lens of how does Jesus bring people into the family of God. And not really so much how, but who are these people? What are they like? Who are those people that, that Jesus is looking for? Say, hey, come on. Why don't you be a part of this? And it's interesting that we step back and, and one of the predominant, well, one the, Jesus' favorite name for God is Father. 
And so there's this idea of the fatherhood of God that God is, is seeking to embrace all of us. And then when he teaches us the Lord's Prayer, he uses words like our and us. And again, that idea of, of inclusiveness, of us coming together. It's not a me in Jesus, it's an us in Jesus. It's an R in Jesus. And I don't know about you, I'm, I'm sure some of you sing praise songs during the week, but there's something when you come together and you sing praise songs. There's something when you come together and you hear God's word that's different than if you're listening to a podcast or singing in your car or whatnot. Because there's something that happens when, when people join together with the desire to meet with God. And that's what God calls us into over and over and over again. And we're invited to see humanity as, as part of that. Not just Christians, but humanity. That God is the father of all, creator of, of heaven and earth. And that everyone on this earth is known by God and loved by God. And God pursues with love, with a desire to, to include, to bring into. And then historically, the church has called, we've called each other brothers and sisters. If you're ever in a, in a black context, they do that all the time. Hey, brother, hey, sister. And they also do titles as well, deacon and so on and so forth. And one of the things I like that we do here is we're all aunties and uncles, same thing. Like, hey, we're all part of this thing where we're taking care of kids from the community, kids who are, are struggling, whose parents need a break, or, or things are going on in their families. And so someone says, hey, I'll do that. I'll bring them into our house. But then we embrace and say, okay, who else can help this person? Who else can help this family? Maybe you, we can't take them in, but we can be that auntie and uncle and pop in for a couple of hours and relieve them or help get, let them get to work or bring them a meal. I mean, that's family. And what's beautiful about a church this size is we can know each other. We can, we can know the names of the kids. That's why going to Catalina is such a great thing. Like you get to see the kids and the, and the families together which we don't always get to see. I remember the first time I went to Catalina, I was like, oh, those go with those, okay. Because there's just a massive kids here. But to be able to see that and see how they interact with their parents, but also with one another. But that's what families can do. And Paul reminds us that we're adopted. You know, we're all part of the same family. No matter where we came from, economically, racially, ethnically, we are all adopted in this family. So we are brothers, we are sisters. And to, to take that, that seriously. And Jesus was asked or said, Jesus is speaking and his mom and dad and brothers come and, say, and they're trying to get to Jesus. And one of the subs said, hey, your, your mom and dad, they're outside. And Jesus says this, says, here's my mother, as he stretches out his hand. Here's my brother, for whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And I think as, as Christians, when we are living the will, out the will of God in our lives individually, it strengthens the fam familial bonds of the church. Because if we're living that way, Jesus says you are going to suffer persecution. You are going to, to be personally attacked. And that's hard to do on your own. It's hard to take that on your own. But we're not on our own. We're part of this family called the body of Christ. 
called the church. And, and we need to be there for each other, just like family is. To, to be willing to step up, to be willing to make sacrifices. And as we live true to that, we are strengthened by one another. We are encouraged by one another. And so that brings me to our first slide. That's just introduction stuff. Jesus and people. I'm going to read a, a little phrase to you. I want you to pay attention to a word or a phrase that you're drawn to within the statement. The church is a community where all people are welcome. Outcasts find belonging. Underdogs find a champion. The hopeless find hope. The friendless find a friend. And we all become family. Beautiful. Messy. Seen. Known. And loved. So let me read that one more time. And again, listen to what are you drawn to in this statement? The church is a community where all people are welcome. Outcasts find belonging. Underdogs find a champion. The hopeless find hope. The friendless find a friend. And we all become family. Beautiful. Messy. Known. Seen. And loved. I want you to quickly turn to someone and just share, what phrase did you choose out of that? What phrase resonates with you today? So see how Alicia and Lewis are already doing that? So just model that. So just quickly. Okay, let's bring it back. So. All right, moving on, moving on. Okay, the other thing, if you're in a family, you know everyone's name. Garrett. All right, thank you. Um, so that's the other thing you can do in a family. Like in a big church, they would have, I had no idea who you guys are. But now it's like, hey, you? Quiet down. Um, whatever phrase you pick tells you a little about yourself and what you're desiring right now. And we might, if we did this a, uh, a week from now, you might choose a whole different one. So whenever we do exercises like this, you know, share, but then take it with you and ponder it later. What was that about? Why that one today? Because it, it ties with something going on with your life. It ties with something in your heart. And just to, to share that with God and to, to, to bring it out. Because a lot of times, sadly, we don't know what's going on inside of us. And these little things help us to get a, get a sense of what that might be. Yeah, I chose friend. Why? Yeah, just really feeling lonely. It's not a judgment. It's just like, yeah, that's where I'm right now. And then invite Jesus into that. Because Jesus meets us in each of these things. And then, then where can my family be a part of that as well? Okay, we're going to look at four statements of, about Jesus. So we're just quickly, I'm not going to really talk about them because we'll look at them in a moment all together. So Jesus, a shepherd gathering and caring for the flock. So just images of what Jesus, who Jesus is, what Jesus does. Jesus, a mother hen, longing to gather her chicks under her wings. Jesus calls us to a table, offering bread and wine and so much more. Jesus models the all-inclusive nature, and this is what we'll be unpacking in a couple moments, of the family 
of God, the kingdom of God. So I want you to look at that list and answer this question. What does this list, and we're not, we're not gonna share this one, what does this list tell you about Jesus? Because each of these are a snapshot about Jesus' heart, Jesus' priorities, what Jesus is about. What does this tell you about Emmanuel, God with us? What does it tell you about Jesus? Okay, just think it through. And another thing you do is ask yourself, which am I drawn to? Same thing. Which of those am I drawn to? Because I'll tell you something about what's going on in your own heart. What your desire in terms of your relationship with Jesus may be right now. Shepherd? A mother hen? Someone inviting you to a table, maybe in the midst of your enemies? Or someone just calling you because you feel like an outcast? Saying, come with me. Come and be a part of this. My, my, I have my, one of my favorite images is Jesus' mother hen. Just because it plays with my mind. Jesus man, but now the mother hen. Um, and speaks a little about that God is not gendered, that God is beyond gender. But just that desire to gather all the little chicks in protection, out of love, to feel the warmth of, of the mother hen by the chicks. And to, to feel safe, and obviously it reminds me of in the shadow of the presence, the shadow of thy wings kind of thing, the protection, the presence of God. All right. Jesus, when he begins his ministry in, in chapter four of Luke, says this. Well, why don't we just read this one together? Um, is that it? Wow. Okay, the spirit, is that up there? Okay because I didn't hear anybody. Casey's just nodding. Um, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is a great ending. Like, wow, there's hope in there. But listen to those categories of people. The poor, prisoners, the blind, the oppressed. These are the disenfranchised. These are the disinherited. These are the ones that that the society at that time and in our day as well says, no. There's not a place for you at the table. There's not a place for you in this gathering that you have the scarlet letter that we say no. And Jesus says, hey, those are the very people I'm coming for. That's that's who I long to bring in to under my wings. Those are the ones I invite to my table. I go out to the highways and the byways and say, come, be a part of this. God is father, mother, parent, is creating a family. Jesus models an inclusive nature of the family and the kingdom of God. Jesus invites enemies to gather so that once strangers would discover the forever family. And in Luke chapter 5, it says, verse 27, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of 
Levi, sitting at his tax booths, follow me. Jesus said to him, Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Now, tax collectors, I mean, no one's really a fan of tax collectors. Like, usually if you work for the IRS, you just say you're an accountant or a bookkeeper because you don't really want people to know that. But it was even worse back then because here they are, this is a Jew in an area that is their home occupied by Rome, and he's basically a tool for Rome. So in those days and ages, those days and age that they were segregated, like, we don't want you part of this, definitely outcast, and actually seen as betrayers. And Jesus says to this one, this betrayer of, of the Jewish culture, come, be a part of it. And what's interesting in Luke chapter 6, we, Jesus tells us that two of the people that he chose were zealots. Zealots are on the other end. So, so, the, so Levi is, is part of Roman's occupation. In fact, helping Rome by t- collecting taxes and crazy taxes. The zealots are like, we got to overthrow Rome. Like, no, this is not good. And so you can imagine a tax collector and a zealot getting together. It's not going to be a fun, fun time. They're going to hate each other. And yet that's who Jesus brings together. So I want you to think for a moment, who do you hate? And maybe hate's too strong of a word. Who might you be uncomfortable with? Who might you maybe walk across the street to avoid? Who might you have a little reservation about if they walked through the doors or they sat next to you, or they moved into your neighborhood, or you saw them on the streets? Who are those that, that, that you don't hate them, but maybe just not, you're not comfortable with? See, family says, that, come on in. Family says, hey, let's be a part of this. Remember, it's beautiful, but it's also messy. But we need to be honest with the struggles that we would have with this group with this person, with this whatever it may be. Because if we're honest, then God can deal with us. If we're not, then that bias, that prejudice, will run its course. So Jesus is big on enemy love. That's one of the things that really set the church apart from the Jewish community once Jesus died was how they approached their enemies as Christians. Like they were, for the first three centuries, they were nonviolent. That they loved their enemies regardless of what was happening to them. And suddenly they could see, this is not a sect of the Jewish religion. This is something in and of itself. This is different. These, these people are living quite differently than the, the Jews of their time. And it was because of this enemy love. It was because of this embracing of, of the riffraff of society. That they were out and about welcoming all to the table. Welcoming all into the family. So the next one, foreigners. Foreigners that frighten us. Or not. But again, we may not be that comfortable with it. 
And in Luke chapter 7, verse 1 through 10, it talks about the faith of the centurion. Centurion was a guard. So, so he's actually a foreigner in the land who's oppressing the people and comes to Jesus and says, hey, could, I have, could you help me? And wants, wants Jesus to heal his child. And Jesus does. And Jesus doesn't only heal but he says of the faith of the centurion, it was amazing. I mean, he elevates this person. He says, that is faith. What he did is what it looks like to have faith in me. So not only was it just, hey, be a part of this, but this, this individual who you probably hate is an example to you of what faith looks like. Again, if you could put yourself in that, in that period, it's like, what? Jesus is holding that person up as an example? And Jesus did that over and over again with the Good Samaritan. Um, with a, we're going to look at a woman in a moment who comes in and just, just is amazing. The woman with a blood issue, over and over and over again, Jesus brings these people together. And not only like, let's, oh, you can be a part of it, just sit in the back. No, actually elevates them, lifts them up. Celebrates who they are. Jesus invites those who are disenfranchised, the outcasts of society. And in their society, children were one, but women were huge in terms of, no, you don't have anything to do with anything religious. And yet Jesus says, no, that's not true. And, and I love this passage. If you have a Bible, Luke chapter 7 or a phone, Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house. So again, here's someone who's against Jesus, and Jesus, all right, I'll have dinner with you. I'll have a conversation, because Jesus is always seeking, seeking to reach out and to, to include, to bring in. And when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town... So not just a woman, but a sinful woman learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and then wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. Now, before we get caught up in all the actions that this woman did, which, which were amazing, the most amazing, courageous thing was she walked into that room. She walks into a room where she knows everyone in that room, hopefully not Jesus, but everyone else is going to hate her and, and want her out of that room. And she goes in that. Why? Because she knew who Jesus was. She had, she had sensed Jesus' love, Jesus' grace, Jesus' mercy, and needed to be with Jesus because there she knew healing would be found. So she steps into a place that she is not welcomed and goes right to Jesus. And what she do? She ministers to Jesus. Sharing her precious perfume. Her even more precious tears. And Jesus is, is moved and talks about how great her faith is in comparison to the Pharisees who, who are the religious people. 
So Jesus is not just someone who includes people, but someone who elevates these people, celebrates these people, and sees what, sees what is good in them. See, what a great challenge for us to see what is good in people. Because every person that walks through the door, every person that we cross on the street, every person that, that we stand in line behind is created by God, is loved by God, and God desires to have a relationship with them. That they deserve dignity, and they deserve honor, and they deserve love. And hopefully through that, they can come to know the living God, Emmanuel. God with us. One of the things I get to do every three, one, three Mondays a, a month is there's a transitional housing place that just opened by where we live. So I get to serve breakfast every, every Monday. And I, I figured out on Monday no one wants to work on that day, so I get to do it by myself. So I get to have individual conversations. And there are not that many. I don't think there's hundreds of people. There's just about 30. And they, they sort of come in as a two-hour two hour breakfast thing. Um, but to, to be able to serve them, to, to, they come and they tell me what they want, and then, hey, sit down and I'll bring it to you. Really? Yeah. And I ask them their name. And then I, you know, then, then I, you know, I heat their thing up or whatever I need to do with it, and then bring it to them. And then, oh, I'll clean that up. You don't need to clean that up. Those little acts, you know, no great thing. I'm not saying this, these are great things that I do, but it's saying you have dignity, you have worth, you have value. And how can we do that in our daily lives? See, Jesus says we are salt and we are light. And so as we live our lives true to who Jesus is, there's something that's communicated to those people. So just smiling at a checker, just giving a little extra tip, just having, asking someone their name. Who knows how God could use that? Because that's what God does. God takes the fish and loaves of what we offer and says, hey, I'm going to multiply that. And I'm going to communicate something about who I am to this person, even in your smile, even in your asking a name, even in your letting someone else go first. I mean, do that in a supermarket sometime. Just let someone go in front of you. And you're like, wow. Well, you only got one item. I got a bunch. And I was like, or, oh, no, go ahead. I'm in no hurry, because usually I'm not. And they're like, I don't know how God uses that. Sometimes it starts a conversation and we can talk about those things. But, but as we begin to see all humanity as part of our family that God wants to love and that there's good in each person, we begin to, to focus on that. It's easy to judge, easy to judge. I can do it really fast. But can we see the good? Can we see that image of God that may be buried through a whole bunch of stuff, under a whole bunch of stuff but it's still there? Because it is. Because God loves. God created. And people are deserving of dignity and honor. Even in the midst of their stuff. All right. Here, here's an anti, some anti-other um, mindsets. We already mentioned one. Judge others. Jesus says, don't judge. Justify ourselves by looking down on others. That's the way sometimes we feel good about ourselves. There's a, there's a prayer about a Pharisee and a tax gatherer, and the Pharisee's saying, I'm glad I'm not like that guy. And the tax gatherer's just saying, God, I need you. I, I am, I'm a mess. And Jesus says, that's what we want. We want the tax gatherer. And that's, that's what we need to own for ourselves. Own your stuff. 
Nothing, see, nothing can separate. If we can believe nothing can separate us from God's love, then guess what? We can look at anything. We can name anything because it doesn't degrade who we are. It just is an invitation to greater or an opportunity for greater freedom to be who God created us to be. Sometimes we see other cultures as lacking. You know, I remember taking, taking youth groups down to Mexico and coming back and they're like, I'm so glad I live in the United States. So wait a second. We need to talk about this. That's not what this was about. This is about these people living where they live and they living with dignity and honor. Not in comparison to us, but where they live. And owning, you know, the lady who sweeps the dirt in front of her house so that mat, she can put down a mat. To, to celebrate the person who, who is feeding us when we know they don't have much food for themselves. To see Jesus in those places. Not as less than, but as that's where God has them. And how do we honor that? How do we see that and value that? Their culture, the things that they bring to the table. Peter, the apostle, fell into the trap. So Peter has this great vision that there's no difference between Jews and Gentiles. And even he's one of the people who testify at the council to say, no, Gentiles need to be a part of this because the Holy Spirit's in them. But in Galatians chapter two, he withdraws from the Gentiles because the Jews were giving him a hard time, the Jewish Christians. So it's just a reminder that we might struggle with some of this stuff. Depending where you were raised and who raised you, you might have inbred prejudice that's gonna be hard to get rid of. All right. Are you on that journey? Have you acknowledged it? We all have bias. But once we acknowledge it, then we can begin to invite God into it, and then we're on the road to growth, to, to transformation. And that's all God really wants. We all have internalized lists of who can be in and who's out. And a church can actually be really good at that, which is really bad. Because hey, the doors are open, the table's here. Come, come. Who? Who are who? All who are weary and heavy laden. And Jesus offers rest. Creating a safe space and protecting family. Seek to listen, learn, and understand. See, it doesn't say talk anywhere there. Listen, learn, and understand. Share a bit of your own story as we. Disclosure begets disclosure. You know, I don't remember if you, you, maybe some of you weren't here, but yesterday, you know, a couple weeks ago, Casey was up here bawling her eyes out. And she didn't apologize. She, in fact, said, This is why. That was a gift. And that gift invites all of, in, uh, all of us into her life to say, Hey, Casey, how are you doing today? What's going on? Since we're vulnerable, that creates family because it creates intimacy. But we have to be brave enough to share some of those things. We need to love in deed and in truth. We need to share meals together. Eating together, especially messy things like spaghetti or pizza or those kinds of things that you have to use your hands. It's like, oh, we're all the same. You go to a fancy place and so, you know, you got to, which fork are you supposed to use? Like, that's not a level table there. 
There was a time where I did a wedding and the guy gave me 100 bucks. This is back where 100 bucks was like, wow. And um, I was a pastor and we had the group of homeless guys who would come every Sunday to our church. So I decided, hey, I'm going to take them to the Olive Garden. You know, got 100 bucks. That can cover it. And so I took them there, maybe there were five or six of them, and we went to the Olive Garden. I don't know if they just do that on Sundays or if they even do it anymore, but the first thing they do is they, they had a cloth napkin. What do we do with these? Oh, they're your napkins. Okay. What, what can we have? You can have whatever you want, which is pretty safe at the Olive Garden. Um, so they, you know, but everything comes with salad or soup. And then what happens? A guy comes around, or a gal, I can't remember which, with a cheese grater. And like, what's this? Cheese, you can have cheese on it if you want. How much? As much as you want. You just say, when? So guess what? They all had cheese. Uh, some, a lot of cheese. <laughs> and then the meals come, oh, you can have more salad if you want. Yeah, you just can have as much as you like. But it was like I took them to Disneyland. Because now the waiter is honoring them by serving them. And to look for opportunities to do that with each other, but also with people maybe outside of our our little groups. To say, hey, you're worth this. You know, picking up a check can be, hey, I I want to do this for you. You know, not that the other person can't, but there's, there's messages and things like that. If you can do it, not, we not all can. But to look for those opportunities, oh, there's my time. Um, so those of you who are worrying about, is he ever going to stop? And all that means is, I know I'm supposed to stop. So don't get excited. <laughs> and by the way, any church you go to and the pastor looks, that's what they're doing. All they're doing is, I know you guys want to leave. We're not leaving. That's what that means. So anytime you see a pastor do that now, you know, oh, well, at least they're aware we're supposed to leave. So I'm aware we're supposed to leave, and we're almost done, actually. So um, pray together for one another. Be there for one another. Sacrifice for one another. That's what family does. We make sacrifices. So what I want to do just briefly is, again, we can do this as a small church. I want to, say, I want to invite you to, to, to pray. Pray for whatever's on your heart. There's a lot going on in the world. And then when, someone, when you're done praying, and it can just be a sentence prayer. We're not going to drag this out, but I just want to give that opportunity. It could be a prayer for yourself, prayer for you know, your kids or whatever. It could be anything. And then when, the, when you're done praying, say amen at the end. And then when they say amen, the rest of us are going to say this, Lord, hear our prayers. Isn't that cool? So, so it's us praying with them. It's like, yeah, Lord, hear our prayer. Or actually, it would be prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. All right? So we're going to try that. So if no one prays, I'll pray, and then we'll still, but we'll still get to do it. Um, but if anyone wants to, if, if there's a burden for the, the world, the country, your own family, so let's pray. God, I pray for peace in the Middle East, in Ukraine, Russia. Pray for those who know you are in each of those areas, that they would be peacemakers, that they would know your presence in their lives, so that they would be that presence for others who are struggling, who are fearful, 
who have no idea what's next. Amen. Okay, anyone else? Can I pray for those in this room that are hurting, struggling, who carry much within them, physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, that they would know you are rooting for them, that they are not alone, that you are with them. And may they be able to offload some of this to you, to know that you are a God that loves to love them, and has power and the ability to do beyond anything we can think, ask, or imagine. That you are God with us, God for us. Amen. All right, so next steps. So we'll skip down to next steps. So here's some things, some encouragements for you. Um, so n- next steps your clue. Next steps are up there. I know. I'm I'm getting a hint to. <laughs> Set up a time together individually as a family. T- to have a meal. You know, it's an easy thing to do. The music team does this really well time to time. Hey, we're going to go out to lunch together. And they just walk because you can walk to a bunch of restaurants. You can only do that for a few more weeks. For, oh, yeah. In the future, we'll all be having Slurpees. Um, yeah. yeah I'll, buy you, I'll buy you guys a sandwich. Um, <laughs> But just having a meal together is, is great fun. And again, but ask some questions. How are you doing? What's going on in your life? Don't just talk about stuff. Talk about hearts, lives. Pray for one another. You know, those people who, who that you may just sense there's something going on in their life. Just pray for them through the week. Pray for the church. You know, transition can be a difficult thing for people. You know, it's exciting. It means something's new, but not everyone sees change that way. So pray for the leaders. Pray for all of us. We don't know what that's going to look like, what that's going to mean, but we do know God is with us. We do know God is in it. We know God will bring good out of it. So pray. Pray for us as we, we all make that transition. Showing kindness to those you experience as other, as you are out and about. In other words, just be kind to people. It's not a big thing. Just a smile can liven a day. Or just a, hey, you know, how are you doing? Kind of thing. And they may not answer. But if you pause and then repeat it one more time, often they will. You know, just be kind to the, to the cashier, the, the box person, the post person, whoever it may be. It doesn't cost us anything but can communicate volumes concerning God's love, God's presence, their worth, their value, that they are seen, that they are known in a little, in a little sense, and that can get them through a day or maybe at least the next hour. Let's pray and then sing. God, I thank you for this time. Again, I thank you for Alicia and Lewis for, for sharing their gifts with us today. So much beauty.
and, and great songs that point us to you. Thank you that you are God with us. Help us to live, Jesus, to be salt and light, be conduits of love, grace, and mercy to those that come through the doors, but also those that we come across in life itself, that you, Jesus, would be seen in us and experienced through us for your honor and glory and to advancement of your kingdom. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.